Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Mo Karbat is the Vice President of Industry Affairs at Clearway Health. He is responsible for building relationships and working with manufacturers, suppliers, wholesalers, and payers to ensure health system specialty pharmacies are successful. Prior to joining Clearway Health, Mo served as the Vice President of Pharmacy Services for SSM Health, where he led teams focused on improving patient outcomes and population health. He has over 20 years of experience in health system pharmacy services, healthcare operations, supply chain logistics, and value-based care. Mo earned his bachelor's degree in pharmacy from the Jordan University of Science and Technology and his MBA degree from the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. He is a fellow of the American Council of Healthcare Executives and in 2022 was awarded Executive of the Year by In Business Magazine. Hello, Dr. Kharbat. Welcome to the Healthcare and Hire podcast. It's my pleasure. Great to have you on the show today. Watching your career for the last several years has been very inspiring, and I'm very excited to have you on the show. I know many people are meeting you for the first time, so why don't we take this opportunity and have you formally introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and how do you help take healthcare to a higher level? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Iqbal, for having me. Uh, my name is Mo Karbat. I'm a pharmacist. I've been a pharmacist for over 20 years now. Initially, I worked as a clinical pharmacist providing direct patient care. And then I went into pharmacy management, becoming a pharmacy manager, then a pharmacy director. And for the past several years, I worked as a pharmacy executive, leading pharmacy services across a health system. Only recently, I uh, uh, joined a company, Airway Health, where we work across the country to help promote, build, and accelerate specialty pharmacy programs. Um, it, it was an important uh, transition for me because after so many years of serving one health system at a time, one set of patients at a time, now I have the pleasure of working with several health systems at the same time. And that's that's very exciting to me. And um, I'm working with professionals like yourself and others across the country to help take healthcare to the next level. 
I'm very excited by this. And, you know, it's a unique company that you work for. I don't really think that we've had anyone that has represented an organization where they are not directly, you know, working with patients in the shape and way that you do. Uh, and for those that are listening to today's podcast and are wondering about Clearway Health, you should know that it actually started out uh, in about 2014. And it was based out of Boston Medical Center for the sole purpose of trying to improve access and care for those specific patients. Because of its success, it was able to grow and really just split off. I believe your former name used to be Cornerstone uh, Cornerstone Health. And, and over the last almost 10 years, um, it's really blossomed into this organization that partners with other hospitals and healthcare systems and helps them not only initiate and start a specialty pharmacy program, but really leverage it in a way that is both financially beneficial to that organization, but also more beneficial for the patients as well. I know several organizations that have really announced their partnerships in the last few years, including Comanche County Memorial Hospital, Children's National Hospital, and Signature Healthcare. So these are just small, you know, just a small sampling of the many organizations that you support. Uh, and I was very happy to see that actually just this month, Clearway Health was recognized as a great place to work employer uh, for the year 2023-2024. So Clearway Health obviously has a lot of great things that are going on on the surface. And, and you know, that's why we've invited you today to really you know, help us peel back the layers and understand how Clearway Health operates. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you've mentioned a little bit about how you partner with organizations, hospitals and healthcare uh, health systems, mostly to, to in, initiate these programs. You know, what has that been like? You know, are these organizations that have never had a, a specialty pharmacy program before, uh, or do they have one that they've just needed some support and guidance? I'd love to understand what it is that you and your organization do when you first meet a, a potential client uh, and how you guide them towards the process of, of, of initiating what you do and, and helping them improve. Yeah, definitely. We started at um, the Boston Medical Center where we um, started our specialty pharmacy program several years ago. At the time, we provided the service to our patients, our communities in Boston and in the surrounding communities. But then over time, we realized that uh, many health systems across the country don't still have a specialty pharmacy program. And that's when we began working with health systems from coast to coast, basically, small and large, from academic medical centers to community hospitals to rural hospitals. And with the sole uh, purpose of helping them stand up specialty pharmacy programs to better serve their patients and their communities. Uh, um, in, in the past few years, a, a large percent of all medications that they approved were actually specialty medications. Yes, they represent only 98, uh, uh, sorry, about 2% of all prescriptions uh, prescribed. 98% are non-specialty, but they are um, they uh, represent like 50% of the pharmacy spend. So they are representing a bigger and a bigger uh, uh, space within today's healthcare. Yeah, half of the pharmacy spend goes to specialty meds, even though only 2% of patients are on specialty meds. That's such an imbalance. It's so crazy to understand that. It is crazy. And 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 the average cost per specialty medication uh, per patient per month used to be one to two thousand dollars. Now it's actually five to ten thousand dollars. And these medications are very expensive. They require special handling, special monitoring. Not any pharmacy is equipped to um, dispense specialty medications. And that's what we do. We go around working with health systems. If they have a specialty pharmacy program, we help them improve it. If they don't, we help them build it. And that's what we do. 
So Mo, is there a recent success story? And and you may not, there's no need to mention any client names, but it'll be very fascinating for the audience to know. Can you share with us a story where one of your clients that you were working with, where you were able to specifically show them improvement in that area? What was that success like? How was it measured? And then what have they done with that since? Yeah, one of the examples is Children's National in Washington, D.C. It's one of our um, newer partners. We began working with them recently. But the opportunity is huge, and we're working with them hand in hand to make sure that um, their patients who need specialty medications know where to go and how to get their medications dispensed safely. And it's not uncommon for these medications to come with a huge price tag, not only a huge price tag for the medication as a whole, but also for the copay. Copays can be hundreds of dollars, and many patients may you know cannot afford that much uh, per month per medication. So. We work with uh, with the health system to make sure that their patients can have access to free drug programs and other copay assistance solutions. So at uh, Children's National, uh, the program is very new, but the impact is 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 beginning to uh, be felt already, because more and more patients are able to get their prescriptions um, sent to an appropriate pharmacy to be filled and dispensed with uh, without uh, being impacted financially or otherwise. So it's a very new example. We have other health systems we've been working with across the country who've been established with ClearWay for quite some time now. And um, it, it just, it, this area excites me because if, if, with every health system I work with, I see new potential, new opportunities. And uh, But Children's National is the newest and with, with a ton of potential still ahead. That's amazing. And, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be more growth. I mean, you know, as pharmacists, we are constantly informed and made aware of a brand new drug that hits the market almost every week, uh, let alone, if not, you know, several months. And when I hear about some of the costs that are associated with it, now, granted, now these are life-saving medications that are extremely, you know, valuable and beneficial, but the costs that come with that are insane. Uh, And to hear that, you know, at one time it was only 2%, do you see the growth rate and the, the usage utilization rate of specialty medications increasing and in, in what what pace over the next five years or so so that organizations that will need your services can be prepared for that if that if there is going to be a, a dramatic increase that they can be prepared for that shock yeah yeah uh, definitely more and more medications that are approved by the FDA nowadays drug products are actually considered specialty medications hmm. and the percentage will go up from two percent to a higher percent as more and more drugs come to market that treat more common uh, chronic diseases. So for now, specialty medications uh, predominantly treat, uh, say, cancer, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory conditions, uh, um, uh, certain uh, skin conditions like psoriasis and so forth. Um, as more and more drugs come to market to treat uh, other disease, diseases, some some of them may be more common uh, or mainstream conditions like diabetes, for example, or hypercholesterolemia and other conditions, we will see the percentage of patients taking specialty meds rise with time. Uh, not to mention, there are conditions that did not have any treatment before, like hepatitis C, for example, or any cure. Now these conditions are curable. And patients who uh, never needed a specialty med found themselves taking this medication for six or eight or 12 weeks uh, with great success. So um, we'll see the percentage go up for sure. Yeah. And I was just thinking when you said about hepatitis C, because, you know, every night my wife and I watch uh, news and it's like every third commercial is for either Maverick or some other uh, hepatitis C uh, uh, medication. And it is 
Remarkable. Like I've been a practicing pharmacist now for almost 25 years. And, you know, these were things that were never even, you know, thought of, but now you have multiple options uh, and it's very, it's great. I mean, I think it's wonderful for patients to have hope and to have an option uh, and to know that, you know, organizations that are in the middle of this have solutions to be able to do that. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the examples of your clients and the health systems that you were working with. You know, one of the things that I hear regularly are about pharmacies that, you know, move into and work with like the 340B program. Uh, so it sounds like, you know, it's a, a bit, do you, so you also do that. And then, so it's curious to understand, you know, much has happened in the last several, you know, almost over a decade, decade and a half. We've had multiple administrations from a political perspective that have either funded or scaled back uh, on these types of programs. What is the current state of like the 340B program today? Uh, and then how do you see that changing over the next few years as well? Yeah, 340B, 340B is, is an important program. Um, it allows hospitals that qualify for 340B pricing such as certain community hospitals that have a higher uh, uh, percentage of um, uninsured or underinsured or Medicaid-insured patients, um, uh, critical access hospitals, and certain other categories who qualify for the program, they can purchase uh, medication products that are intended for outpatient use at lower pricing, at lower price points, uh, 340B prices. So this is an important program because these uh, categories of hospitals typically need the most support financially to be able to deliver on their mission and to be able to take care of their communities and their patients. So what happens is um, uh, when a hospital is able to purchase these medications at a lower cost and the revenue typically stays the same, it means they have a better margin that then they can reinvest in their communities, in their patients, uh, uh, in advancing uh, healthcare and research, and, and also in helping their communities in general. Like, for example, um, at Boston Medical Center, uh, they were able to uh, uh, create uh, uh, like a food pantry and a garden and, and actually get the food to be there available for free to patients in the community and, and individuals in the community. So it is because of $340B in savings that health systems are able to be innovative and creative in passing back these savings back to the community. Um, so the 340B program is, is, is very important, not to mention Old health systems, even those who do not qualify for 340B, should consider a specialty pharmacy program. That's better for patient care, better for population health. As we just said, a very large percentage by spend of uh, pharmacy dollars go to specialty meds. Uh, sooner or later, a very large percentage of their patients perhaps will need a specialty med at some point. So my advice to all health systems to consider a specialty pharmacy program. Health systems with access to 340B pricing will see a, a, a huge benefit from the program financially, as I mentioned, to be able to reinvest in their communities and in their uh, uh, programs. Um, we hope that the program stays. We hope that the program uh, improves and improves access. However, we're seeing nowadays more and more manufacturers and, and pharmaceutical companies uh, adding restrictions to how the program can be implemented. So in the past, it was uh, possible for um, a 340B eligible entity to either purchase and dispense on their own or to have a contract pharmacy do this on their behalf. Nowadays, more and more uh, drug companies are saying uh, or adding restrictions to how this process can work, which, if anything, makes it even more important for health systems to invest in a health system-based specialty pharmacy. 
That's remarkable. And, you know, I mean, for having owned and operated a pharmacy in my past and speaking with other individual owners today, like the margins are so, so minuscule uh, and every opportunity to be able to gather the resources and continue offering services for these patients that really don't have, you know, much, much choice. Uh, you know, sometimes in some places there is one pharmacy within a hundred miles. Uh, or one hospital outpatient pharmacy within 100 miles, and this is it. Uh, and so to know that this is potentially at risk is is very concerning. Um, do you see a lot of, um, maybe not necessarily like a, a group of, you know, organizations getting together, but, you know, do you see conversations taking place with government to talk about how important this is, you know, maybe more now than it was, especially in a post-pandemic world, to, to really help strengthen the program? Uh, and are there glimmers of hope uh, where you see some potential senators, representatives, or key political figures that understand and are supporting this? We hope so. We hope so. Um, uh, government entities like HRSA, for example, and other organizations are on the side of health systems in uh, um, recommending more access to 340B pricing to entities that qualify for the program. And as a matter of fact, there are court cases nowadays between uh, advocacy groups and, and government groups versus the manufacturers who are putting these kind of barriers in some cases, uh, uh, when it comes to um, purchasing products at 340B pricing. So uh, yes, uh, there is work that's being done to make sure that the program is preserved and, and it stays there and um, it delivers on, why, on, on on the value that health systems get out of it. Uh, I also see the viewpoint of the pharmaceutical companies who want the program to be well-run and not quote-unquote abused. So it is really a win-win. Eventually, I, I really hope for health systems, uh, uh, the pharma sector in general, and government entities that are related to this or relevant to this, such as HRSA, to come together and come up with a solution that they all agree to that ensures that the program delivers on why it was enacted in the first place, which is passing back some savings to vulnerable entities so they can benefit their communities without seeing any um, unnecessary uh, loopholes uh, uh, um, Use or exploited by anybody, so um, it should be a win-win-win. Yeah, I, I agree that there's the collaboration is key, right? Conversation, collaboration, and ensuring that at the end of the day, the patient has what they need in order to live a long, healthy life is really our, our concerted effort, right? And as long as organizations are able to continue their mission by generating revenue uh, in a strong, in a solid partnership, that that makes a big difference. Um, and that's really helpful to hear from you, especially uh, Vice President of Industry Affairs. You know, uh, Mo, let's talk a little bit, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the space that you work in, how Clearway Health helps other hospitals and health systems, and really the, the shape and form of specialty programs. I'd like to focus a little bit more on you, Natalie. You've had a very interesting career. Uh, we talked about this prior to, you know, jumping on this podcast, but it's really fascinating. So today, you are the Vice President of Industry Affairs at Clearway Health. Prior to this, you were the Vice President of Pharmacy services at SSM Health, which is a large regional health system. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, 26 states, uh, roughly, If I, uh, in one of them is Illinois, so I know that. Uh, but you've also had a touch with uh, as serving as a director of pharmacy uh, at Pro Healthcare. You've worked as a staff pharmacist at Ascension, pharmacy manager at Albertson, the list goes on and on. Uh, and you've had these great opportunities to really not just 
help patients directly, but to design strategies and execute on programs that really live up to the mission of what you're doing today. And with each step, I'm sure that you've had an opportunity to examine this, this position that was presented to you and think, you know, is this going to be, will it align with what I'm looking for as a professional? Will it conflict with any personal aspirations? Uh, and where is the fit? So I'm I'm always curious whenever I have a guest on, you know, to move into a vice presidency role at such a prestigious company uh, as Clearway Health. I'm sure that it was not just a simple yes, no, right? There was a lot of factors that probably go into that. Um, talk to me a little bit about when, how this opportunity, you know, came about um, and what were some of the, the thoughts that went through your mind when you said, you know, I'm, I'm already happy working uh, at my prior organization, uh, but there's something about this position that maybe will be beneficial for me and patients and, and the pharmacy industry as well? Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, Iqbal, I worked for SSM Health for several years before I came to Clearway. And at SSM, I uh, was the VP of Pharmacy Services for SSM in the Wisconsin market. And um, uh, SSM is a, is a multi-state health system operating currently actually in four states with 20 plus hospitals in many, many locations, outpatient and inpatient. Um, so I worked there for several years where we managed uh, my team and I pharmacy services from acute care to ambulatory programming to um, retail, infusion, cancer centers, nursing homes, you name it. Uh, and also at, we um, uh, operates a health plan and a PBM. So I had the pleasure of working with uh, my health plan and PBM colleagues. So it was an integrated health system. Um, the reason why I actually switched gears and came to Clearway Health is the more I think about it, um, at SSM or at Ascension or at any other health system, you serve a set of um, goals or patients and communities. You focus in in uh, in a certain dimension where your focus is your health system and the communities that you serve. At Clearway Health, I have the pleasure of working with health systems across the country. So uh, I have health systems I work with on the East Coast. I have health systems I work with on the West Coast and everywhere in between. And what I learned at SSM, which um, and at my other previous health systems before SSM, I learned quite a bit there. And I'm putting now that knowledge and information and experience at the service of other health systems across the country. And that's uh, what I'm doing at Clearway Health. The role industry affairs is, is interesting because at Clearway Health, we support health systems across the country to make sure their specialty pharmacy programs are successful. Well, to do that, we have to work with the industry on both sides, on the supply chain side, manufacturers, wholesalers, GPOs, and on the payer side, health plans and PBMs. And that's what I do. I represent Clearway and by extension, I represent the health systems that we work with when it comes to interfacing with pharma or with wholesalers or with payers and PBMs. And um, my goal is to maximize the value prop for my health systems, because whether it's getting access to certain medications that are limited distribution. So how can we actually have them so we serve our patients internally and we don't have to uh, send our patients to uh, another pharmacy? And number two, how can we get these medications at the appropriate pricing level? Whether it's 340B when 340B is in play, or if it's not, how can we get the lowest price possible that makes sense both for the health system and for the manufacturer? Um, so uh, as you can imagine, uh, um, uh, it's it's always uh, 
and 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 in, involving process that involves me, involves my health system partners, pharma payers, PBMs. Let me uh, say that um, every day brings you challenges. It's it's never the same. So it, it and and it's that's what uh, brought me to Clearway. And um, uh, my job is is fun. I, that's what I can say. It's uh, I love it, and I um, the interactions that I'm having on a daily basis are are amazing. You know, I think that that's a great way to you know summarize the emotions that go into a new challenge, right? There are many people that will look at an opportunity and they may second guess themselves. I don't have this experience. I don't know what I would be doing. Oh, the, look at the responsibilities. Oh, you know, I'm not sure. But, you know, basing upon the way that you're framing this, it's like, you know, having an opportunity to gain that perspective, to really, you know, build relationships with people on both sides of, of an issue or multiple issues and find common ground, I think is critical. So I think that, you know, when this opportunity was presented to you, you really took an objective perspective to say, well, what can I leverage from my past that can benefit both just the company, Clearway Health, but then its, it's clients as well. But what can I gain from this? You know, how can I also grow in this space? And, you know, it sounds like you're you're really getting that education and that knowledge on a day to day basis through the, these opportunities, which I think is phenomenal. Um, you know, well, as, as we talked about, like you've had a phenomenal career and you've had these opportunities to, you know, pivot in certain ways. But there's always been like certain lessons that we learn through interactions with people, maybe experiences that kind of shape the, the trajectory of our career. And it also changes the perspective of what we whenever we approach a situation. Um, you know, I can tell you when I was young, you know, I always assumed that oh, this is the way that it's going to be until I had an experience where somebody that was more knowledgeable corrected me. Uh, and then that now became the new sh you know, paradigm shift. And that was the priority. Is there a life lesson that perhaps you learned at a younger age or a younger point in your career that really shook the ground that you thought was the world? And now because of that, uh, you approach situations in a different manner or that you are able to see things in a more holistic approach rather than a jaded perspective? Yeah, definitely. It's To me, it was all about being open-minded and being flexible, being open to new ideas and to trying new things. So um, uh, when I was working as a clinical pharmacist at one of my previous health systems, that's what I was doing. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every day of it. Uh, uh, working with patients at the bedside and delivering patient care in an inpatient setting, coming to work, to work alongside of providers, physicians, nurses, and other caregivers. But then um, at the time, uh, one of the executives of the hospital at the time approached me saying, what would you consider uh, taking on a manager job? At the time, it didn't occur to me. And I said, mm, no, I don't think so. I, I, <laughs> I enjoy my clinical work. That takes me away from my patients. But then I decided to be open-minded about it and to be flexible and explore the unknown. And I agreed. And when I went into management, I actually enjoyed it. And I felt that, you know what, when I was one pharmacist, my decisions impacted me and the patient I'm working with. But when I'm a manager, I can make decisions that impact the entire team and all of the patients we see. So the, the return on, on, on the work I do is, is much higher. So uh, that was a turning point in my career. And I, and it, it all came down to the fact that I well, decided to give it a shot. I was open-minded and flexible about it. Um, even though at the time, it may not have, it may not, uh, it, it wasn't perhaps what I enjoyed doing the most, which is providing patient care at the bedside. But when I gave it a shot, 
I didn't look back. That's awesome. And yeah, it, it takes a certain amount of fear slash courage to take that first step. And when you're there, then you suddenly realize, well, I think I can do this. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that. But I'm sure, you know, for myself, I know that I may have been at that point multiple times throughout my career. And when I would get scared, there was always one or two individuals that would see that and they would push me or encourage me or, or sort of kind of create the space to be able to try it out. Um, and some of them were some mentors of mine. Some of them were career sponsors. Some of them were just elders that understood me better than I understood myself. Uh, and I always ask my guests, Mo, is there like one or two people that you feel were pivotal or critical to your success to where you are today? And if so, who are they and, and what did they do for you? Yeah, definitely. It was the executive who worked with me at my previous health system at Pro Healthcare in um, Waukesha, Wisconsin, many years ago. Um, she was a, a vice president of operations and she was the person who approached me. I was a clinical pharmacist taking care of patients, going to rounds and, and on the patient care floor all the time. And she saw me one time and she said, Mo, uh, we're looking for a manager for the inpatient pharmacy and would you like to consider it? And as I mentioned, initially, I, I did not think so. I, um, I enjoyed my uh, work with um, you know, providing patient care at the bedside. And not to mention my schedule also was very flexible. It was a, a rotation that I enjoyed. And, uh, but she put her trust in me and she said, no, I think you can do a great job. Why don't you give it a try? And when I started uh, with my new manager role and, sh and shortly after that, I became a director. Uh, she was on my side for like at least 40 years, helping me, supporting me, making sure that I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. She saw in me that perhaps I'm um, teachable <laughs> and I, I can learn it and I can do good at it. And she encouraged me to um, go back to school and get my MBA so I learn more about business because, as you know, they don't really teach us uh, business in pharmacy school. So I had to uh, go and do it. And that impact that she left, she left on me uh, stayed with me for the rest of my career. And even later on, when I moved on to another organization, to SSM Health in this case, I, um, I tried to be that person to everyone else around me. And I worked with the managers and the, who became managers and directors under my supervision. And I helped them grow in their careers uh, because I never forgot what my um, executive slash mentor did uh, uh, years prior. Um, so yeah, so uh, her impact, I will never forget. And um, uh, she helped me be who I am today. And by extension, I helped others be a, a, a better copy of themselves also because of the work that uh, my previous boss did. She sounds like a great individual. And who do we have to thank for this? What's her name? Mary Jo O'Malley. Well, Mary Jo O'Malley, if you are listening, thank you for your thank you for what you've done to help develop Mo into the leader that he is today. We'll be right back after this short break. Mo, we've uh, you know we've talked quite a bit about your past. Let's talk a little bit about your future. And, and I'm sure you know there are many things that you are doing today that both keep you active. They also keep you engaged, and they also satisfy your your professional cravings. Is there something on your horizon that you've set for yourself as a goal, uh, where you feel that in the next twelve or eighteen months that you really do want to achieve? It could be another certification. It could be starting a new program within your organization. But I'm always curious because. 
I know that many of the audience members today have had this this mindset that that is once they get to a certain point they're good, uh, and that's it. There's no more learning sometimes, uh, and that now they are you know get to rest on their laurels. But true leaders understand that that is never the case. Uh, so I'm always asking guests to understand what it is that they push themselves to strive for uh, and maybe achieve in the next twelve or eighteen months. Yeah, definitely. Um, it- at Clearway Health, they have the pleasure of working with several health systems. And my goal in the next 12 to 18 months is to see the number of health systems work with double or even triple. Uh, so we work with more health systems across the country because uh, you would be surprised to perhaps know that there is still a very large percentage of health systems that do not have specialty pharmacy programs. And uh, uh, I am like on a mission with Clearway Health to um, find health systems that don't have specialty pharmacy programs and help them build. Uh, programs to support their patients. It's a goal for me to help us double or triple or even more the number of health systems that we currently work with. Uh, On a personal level also, um, I recently became a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, and I'm very proud of that. Um, For for, um, the entirety of my career, I focused on working with professional societies and organizations within pharmacy. Uh, But uh, this time I said, you know what, healthcare uh, is more than pharmacy, even though I will always uh, go back to my pharmacy roots. And I believe pharmacy has a special place in today's healthcare. But I wanted to also um, see what, what's else out there when it comes to healthcare. And I became a fellow of the American College. And I intend to become more and more active with the American College for Healthcare Executives in general or their Wisconsin chapter. Uh, so um, these are the goals I'm working on uh, on a on a personal level and also when it comes to my organization. So I wanted to talk to you about that as well, Mo, because there are very few healthcare professionals that really pursue a business track on top of their clinical degree. So obviously you have your MBA, phenomenal, uh, but then you took it a step further to really move into this, uh, uh, to to get the certification, which by the way, I can see uh, right behind your shoulder, (laughs) I see Mm -hmm. the certification there, which is something to be very, very proud of. How did that journey begin? Was there, I mean, was there somebody that you saw had these five letters after their name and you asked them, um, or was that something that was introduced to you in a, in your current or prior role? Uh, and and how did you decide that this was going to enhance your knowledge and your skill sets? Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned the name of um, my previous uh, uh, supervisor and mentor. But when I went to SSM Health, I worked under yet another great mentor. I worked under uh, um, the regional president for the health system in the Wisconsin market at the time. And he was my uh, direct uh, supervisor. And he was a uh, he continues to be a fellow of the American College, and he was very active with them. And I could see it in in, in his um, interactions and in, in how he um, made it important for all of us to want to work at, with other healthcare executives so we improve healthcare you know, on the macro level. So yes, it's important to focus on our direct goals and objectives, our patients, communities, but also working with other healthcare executives and other health systems so we can advance healthcare policy on a national level. And that's one of the um, areas that ACHE works on. And so that my uh, supervisor at SSM Health for many years, uh, who was active with the college, um, basically sparked my interest in also becoming a fellow of the college. You're right. uh, um, Perhaps most of the uh, fellows of the American College are um, healthcare executives with a business background. 
Uh, but I think we're seeing more and more physicians, nurses, and pharmacists also um, who um, chose an, an executive path uh, to become executives for their for their organizations. We're seeing more and more of them becoming more act, more active with American College uh, of Healthcare Executives. Um, and I hope to see more pharmacists join uh, ACHE. I know a few friends who uh, joined some of them before me, some of them after me. Uh, but it's important for us as pharmacists to um, uh, uh, maximize the value that our health systems can get out of pharmacy. We really need to speak the language of our healthcare executive friends and colleagues. And we need to understand the uh, uh, what healthcare is facing on the macro level, whether it's financially, whether it, when it comes to quality, safety, physician engagement, patient satisfaction, and the like. And you hear about these topics a lot through ACHE more than perhaps what we hear about these topics, uh, say, through our own uh, pharmacy societies. Um, these are not mutually exclusive, so uh, I will continue to be active with our own pharmacy societies, such as the ACHP, but in the same time, becoming more active with healthcare societies uh, in general that go far beyond pharmacy. <coughs> Sorry, I have to grab something to drink. That is a very inspiring, Mo, and I think it's important to to hear that from someone like you. Uh, I, as well, you know, really encourage, and I'm a strong proponent of seeing clinicians move into leadership roles, uh, particularly from a business perspective. Because, you know, again, not to say that uh, a healthcare executive without a healthcare degree is not capable of being able to lead organizations and improve their companies. But there is a gap in terms of the understanding of what decisions, the impact of those decisions have on patients and you know, professionals that have been at the bedside, spoken with patients, understand the factors that go in into a patient's decision-making process to choose between food, rent, and medicine, uh, you know, are things that we can speak to and definitely combine the right language between clinical efficacy and financial outcomes. So I'm glad to hear that. I want to see more healthcare professionals. And like you, I do favor more pharmacists as well, moving into this space. I do see, I do hope that does happen. Mo, as a leader of, you know, multiple teams of multiple people, you know, you have had an opportunity to mold the future. Uh, and I think it's important to help, you know, our audience understand what are some of the tools maybe that you use, both, you know, in terms of helping your team grow and mature in their leadership skills, but also certain, you know, aspects of your own leadership. Maybe there's a book or a video, a speaker, an author. Are there resources or tools or people that you tend to you know, glean more information from and more pearls of wisdom from that you've incorporated into your practice that you could recommend to this audience, uh, listeners of this podcast today? Yeah, definitely. I think if um, some of my previous team members are listening to this podcast, they will smile when they hear me talk about The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Uh, this is the book that I read many times and I um, used it as a leadership development uh, uh, tool for my previous teams as my teams evolved and grew over, over time. And um, so we did this when I was with my team uh, many years ago at SSM. And then every time the team evolved and new leaders came on, on the team and, and 
team members were promoted and now they're part of the leadership team and so forth, we actually relaunched the program. So we did it a few times. And for any leaders who were with me on the same team uh, the entire time, they must have um, been, uh, uh, they must have seen it a few times to the level maybe that they can memorize it now. Um, so the Seven Habits of Effective People was the book. It comes in in print and also an audio book. And it is really a, a, a timeless book of uh, management and leadership principles uh, from the first habit of being proactive to begin with the end in mind and put first things first and so forth. It teaches leaders. Well, it's meant for all people, by the way, to be successful even in your own family life or in your own business or in your uh, employment place. Uh, uh, to be successful by um, mastering some of these um, attributes that you control on the inside, such as being proactive, putting first things first, which is knowing where you're going uh, uh, and beginning with end in mind and so forth. Um, and then the other habits that talk about how you interact with others, think win-win, uh, uh, um, synergize and so forth. So yeah, this is the book that uh, really shaped my leadership throughout my career, helped me personally, and I'm sure helped the teams that worked with me. Excellent. And I think I still have that book. Yep, it's right there. Absolutely one of the best books. You know, I only keep a certain number of books on my shelf if I feel that there are things that I will continuously lean on. Uh, and this is one of them. The other one that I always recommend to people is Strengths Finders. Uh, it has also been a great, great book, but this is great. Uh it's probably the first book that I've actually had with a guest that has called that out. So I'm very glad to hear that. And and hopefully your your listeners, the listeners uh, that work with you will be smiling and chuckling as well uh, yep. when they hear this. Um, <laughs> Mo, when you meet people, right, whether you're at a convention, a conference, um, or just even in interactions, right, there are certain qualities that you look for. And I know that the book talks about this as well. But, you know, there are certain qualities that you look for in terms of resonance that you say this person is great in these three areas. And I think that he or she would be a phenomenal fit, you know, if not with my team, but somewhere within the Clearway Health Organization, we really need to talk to this person. Uh, and I always frame it like this because I know that we have a lot of listeners today that are comfortable where they are, but they are looking to be able to advance their career, maybe move into a higher level role. And, and some of them struggle, right? They believe that their accolades in the past should carry them forward. But when their presentation through an interview, through a, a handshake, it doesn't always cross over that well. As a leader, especially at the level that you're at, Mo, what are some of the things that you would recommend or that you look for in an individual when you think, I need to, I need this person to join us, whether it's my team, my friend's team, my neighboring team, he, she has these three qualities that would be an asset to Clearway Health. What are those three that you look for? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Seven Habits book talks about resourcefulness and initiative. And um, uh, Stephen Covey in his book talks about people who can use their R&I, their resourcefulness and initiative. People who are resilient, resourceful enough to always think of solutions, always see, see the possible and what can be done. And then take the initiative. Don't wait for people to um, ask you to do something. If you see something and you can do something about it, you can improve it, whether it's your own department or a, a business plan you're working on, initiative, or you're faced with a challenge. Always look for ways to um, address the issue, resolve it, and solve the problem. So resourcefulness and initiative are two key attributes. I look in anyone that uh, I want to work with. Um, and these two attributes uh, really helped you know uh, us uh, big time during COVID. 
So during the pandemic, when nothing was normal anymore, and um, uh, uh, individuals and health systems who had these two attributes, who were resourceful enough, who could take the initiative and change their workflows, when we at the time, uh, um, within a very short period of time, we had to go from dispensing medications at the counter to dispensing at the curbside. We had to uh, come up with processes so patient care is not impacted, but we had to change quite a bit to be able to serve our patients in, under a new reality, basically. Um, so these are the two key uh, attributes, resourcefulness and initiative. And I can add to them a third one, optimism. Uh, I, 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 I value in uh, a person being optimistic, seeing the half full in the glass, always seeing the possible, seeing the potential in any situation, seeing the upside in any situation. Uh, um, anyone who uh, is resourceful, uh, takes initiative and optimistic about anything and everything, uh, they will secure a place on my team. I love that. And I think, uh, you know, I find it, I find it interesting because, because of the last so many few, the last few years, right? Every day you turn on the news, there's always some bad news, whether it's here in this country, whether it's across around the world, you know, that kind of negativity or that kind of depression can seep in into a person's character. Um, but the resilient ones, the ones that understand that you know, these are things that are outside of our control. We don't have the ability to stop an earthquake. We don't have the ability as an individual to stop a war. But we do have the ability to make one person's life better in the environment that we're that I'm in today. You know, that optimism is something that carries people forward. And so to hear that, that it's a resonating factor in how you view people, candidates especially, uh, is really helpful for, for hopefully the listening audience today to understand that these are not just soft skills or that they're just, oh, something, you know, willy-nilly that I have to come in with these technical expertise and that, you know, my knowledge base has to be, you know, on par. Those are important. But that's not the first thing that people are going to expect from you. They're going to expect to see that you have that willingness and that, you know, desire to be, you know, taught, trained, and then move forward in that direction. So, well, thank you for, for reinforcing those principles. You know, if there's something that you could go back in time and tell your younger self, like, again, you've had such a beautiful career. I'm sure your career will continue to rise in many spaces, right? But as a younger Mo, uh, if you could go back and maybe there was a point in time where you were unsure that you were second guessing yourself and you could go back and tell yourself, hey, listen, don't worry. I'm your older you. You're going to be fine. But you need to start doing this today. Or if you were already doing it and you thought maybe it's not working, don't stop doing this. What would that one piece of advice be that you could share with the listening audience so that maybe they can start or continue to do something that will be a true, a proven success strategy for them? Yeah, uh, for me, it would it would have to be patience, to be more patient. And um, if I look at my younger self, uh, being uh, for me, I consider myself, you know, being a resourceful person. I I take initiative. I I see the opportunity and I pursue it. But in doing so, sometimes I can be impatient. I I want to get there quickly. I see the solution. I see what needs to, to happen. And um, in doing so, sometimes. Uh, uh, and, and in being impatient to some degree, sometimes you end up uh, uh, getting certain things done and done well, but some other things may not be done at all. So, so being patient, uh, taking your time, 
making sure that you um, cross check everything and, and take your time. Basically, it's as simple as that. Now, granted, there will be times when um, there is no time and it's an emergent situation that needs immediate action. These things will happen. But all in all, in, in nine perhaps situations out of 10, normally for any executive, um, situations do allow you some time to some space to really think about things, prioritize them, and then act uh, accordingly. And if I am to tell my younger self, it is just be patient, take it one step at a time, not everything is, is an emergency. Uh, certain things can wait and should wait. And the other thing, uh, which is something I did and I will continue to do, which is to continue to learn. Learning never stops, never ends. Um, so uh, whether it's going after a, a board certificate or uh, gaining membership, you know, to an organization or becoming a fellow or going back for, you know, a degree or certificate here and there, learning something new will always be, um, in my opinion, necessary for emerging leaders. Um, Healthcare today is very different compared to healthcare 20 years ago. And it would perhaps look nothing like uh, uh, what healthcare will look like in 20 years. So that's how um, we need to grow and evolve and adapt with the, um, with the field we're in uh, over time. Um, so yeah, so, so these are the things. Um, I, I am uh, uh, very lucky to be where I am today. And, and when I look back at my career, it was a great career. And Granted, I, I'm looking forward to still many more years of uh, um, healthcare uh, service, uh, serving patients, communities, health systems at Clearway Health, where, again, for the first time in my career, I have the privilege and the honor of working with many health systems across the country and not uh, one health system like I did previously. So uh, I'm looking forward to, um, to what comes next. I'm, and, and Mo, we're honored and privileged to have you on the show and for you to share your story. I think it's a remarkable story with a lot of great insights. And again, the, the ability to see and position yourself where you essentially are the conduit between these different parties uh, to come up together with collaborative efforts uh, and help everyone in the process is, is great. Mo, it's been a, a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you again for being with us today. Uh, I'm very excited to see how 2023 will go for you and Clearway Health. I'm sure that there will be many listeners that may want to reach out to you, and I'll be more than happy to you know tag you and Clearway Health in in many of our posts. But you know we look forward to seeing you continue your journey uh, and your professional aspirations, and looking forward to seeing you continue to take healthcare to a higher level. Thank you, Iqbal. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career, build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.